money is good, but I think money with meaning is even better. And, and I really want more people to, to go after that. Welcome to the Let's Give a Damn podcast. I'm Nick LaPara, and this is my chance to talk with people who are doing extraordinary things in the world because they saw something wrong that needed to be made right, and they gave a damn about it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Let's Give a Damn family, welcome to episode 12 of the Let's Give a Damn podcast with Timothy Sykes. Timothy Sykes is one of the most well-known penny stock traders in the world. At the young age of 35, he has already amassed millions of dollars of wealth and has helped many of his students reach million-dollar status as well. So why am I interviewing a wealthy stock trader that posts photos of himself on social media with large wads of cash, a Lamborghini, private jet, etc.? Well, first of all, I always want to tell a diverse set of stories. I don't want to ever convey to you, the Let's Give a Damn family, that giving a damn must look a certain way. What I liked about Timothy Sykes is that although he seems to enjoy his life and wealth to the fullest, he has a ton of passion and energy to give back to the world to the tune of millions of dollars so far and a lot of his time and energy. And he does so primarily through an organization called Pencils of Promise. So if you don't know what penny stock traders do or what penny stocks are, you'll learn a little bit today. We'll also talk about a variety of ways that Timothy gives a damn. This was fun for me and educational. I hope you'll enjoy it as much as I did. Without further ado, here's my chat with Mr. Timothy Sykes. Timothy Sykes, it is great to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, so where are you right now? I see your photos and videos uh, on social media and you're never in the same place very long. So right now I'm actually in Thailand um, and I just came from uh, Laos and Cambodia. I'm all over the place because I'm opening up uh, schools with my charity all over Southeast Asia. That's incredible. How long have you been in that part of the world right now for this trip? Uh, so far for about a month. Okay. Okay. You heading back anytime soon? Uh, yeah, a few days, a few days, but uh, you know, there's a lot of charities to meet and I like to meet the kids and, and the parents and scope out new charities. So it's a lot of work, but uh, I love it. That's awesome. So I won't a ask any more questions about the charity thing because we'll get to that eventually. Um, I know the demographic of my listeners, so I assume most of them don't know who you are. And I'm glad because today that gets the change and they get to interact a little bit with your business and your life and all of that. So before we get going into deeper questions, uh, tell everyone who you are in one or two sentences and then we'll go deeper. Sure. Uh, my name is Tim Sykes. I'm a stock trader and teacher and I'm probably best known for turning my bar mitzvah gift money of roughly $12,000 into nearly $2 million before I graduated college. And now I teach my strategy, how I made all this money in the market, and I already have several millionaire students in just a few years. That's amazing. That's amazing. So sometimes with these conversations, um, I ask more questions about that, and we start with what you're doing. But I want to reverse engineer that. Let's start with your upbringing and backstory. Give, give us a little bit of your story and tell us a little bit about your family, uh, particular situations that happened that will help us understand how you became the person you are today. Sure. Um, you know, I grew up a middle-class family in Connecticut, and I played tennis pretty much every single day while I was growing up because we thought that you know, if I got really good at this sport, which I did, 
Uh, I could get into a good college, which I did. I got early admission into Tufts University. But because I lost in the state finals my junior year of high school, I overtrained and injured myself. And my dad now calls it the million-dollar injury. But that's when my parents gave me control of my bar mitzvah gift money, which was just sitting in, you know, like a random account. And my parents gave me control of it, thinking that I would lose it all. Uh, kind of like a tough love kind of thing. Like, let the, sure. kid, let the kid learn and lose, you know, everything and he'll learn the value of a dollar. And instead, you know, that's what literally started my whole rise to, you know, millionaire status. And then teaching uh, was a result of me being on a reality show called Wall Street Warriors that everybody told me not to do. So I tend to do stuff that, that people tell me not to do. And it, it generally works out in my favor. I'm kind of like Forrest Gump. Yeah, I see that as a as a as a theme in people that are successful. Is they usually many people told them not to do something, and they said, "You know what? I'm going to go do that anyway." So that seems to be a little bit of a theme. So you said when you took your bar bitsma money, did you did you know about trading it? Like what 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 was your introduction to that? Did you have any idea? Did somebody tell you, "Hey, you should do this," or were you already thinking about no, trading and money? No, I I mean I'm Jewish, so I'm always thinking money, but <laughs> I, I had no idea. Um, this was back in 1999, though, so the stock market was going absolutely insane. So it was kind of in the headlines every day. You know, I had surgery on my arm, so I really couldn't do anything uh, physically. I was already into college, early admission, so I just learned. And you know, back then it was like dial-up speeds on the internet. So I went to the library every day in high school, and you know, their early computer labs have like. Maybe they still do, but back then there were like 20 computers in a row. And because the internet was so slow, I would load a page on one computer and then go to the other while the other page was loading. And I was basically just kind of doing this crazy trial and error, looking at what news moves stocks, uh, seeing if I could capitalize on that and, and trying to grow my account. You know, I didn't want to be a trader per se. At first, I invested in big companies, but my account just wasn't going anywhere. So I gravitated towards lower price stocks and it was all learned through trial and error. And, you know, it was good and bad because obviously I, I was successful, but it was bad because I was so confused so much of the time because there was no guidebook that no one had written the book on, on my kind of trading. So when I got into teaching, I literally tried to become the, the mentor to people that I never had. Yeah, so you're a penny stock trader. What the hell does that mean? What what exactly does that entail for all of us common folk who don't aren't in that world? Yeah, it means that I'm evil. Um, no, oh, perfect. But, you know, penny stocks. Most people only know about them uh, through the movie the, the Wolf of Wall Street. He used to like pump and dump penny stocks. Um, but what I do is trade different kinds of stocks. So a penny stock, first of all, is any stock trading under five dollars a share. Anywhere from like a penny a share to like a dollar a share to three dollars a share. They're very small companies. They usually have one or two products. Most of them, yes, are scams. Uh, so what I do is I try to separate which ones are scams, which ones are good. And you can actually bet against scams. You can profit when the scams collapse and they go down to zero. Uh, so I'm just trying to, you know, basically play the volatility and, and say, okay, this company has potential. This is a real company. And sometimes it goes from like a dollar to three dollars a share, so you triple your money in a few days. Uh, these stocks move very quickly, but they're not as complicated as you might think because they're very underfollowed. No one on Wall Street follows them. Nobody on CNBC. Uh, so it's kind of like this whole kind of like gutter of Wall Street. And most people who trade penny stocks, they're like you know just degenerate gamblers, and they think like, oh, this is the next Microsoft. 
And I came in and said, okay, what if we actually look at these companies, say this isn't the next Microsoft, let's not believe the hype, let's not believe any promoters like the Wolf of Wall Street, and let's actually dig in what patterns work. And so I started seeing patterns that work again and again and again, and you know, now I've probably bet against maybe, I don't know, a thousand or, or 1,500 different scams, and they've all gone to zero. So it's not really unpredictable as you might think. It's, it's pretty predictable. You just have to know how to spot the scam. Sure. So should we all be penny trading? Is this something that more people should do, get involved in? Um, you know, I mean, yeah, they should, but just due to like the, the natural bias and, and people hating on penny stocks, they, that won't happen. You know, people don't want to trade scams. They're like, what, what are you talking about? Like, why do you want to get into this? This is so weird. So it's kind of the gift and the curse because so many people stay away that allows kind of like for a lack of competition, which makes it easier. And also there's not that much money to be made. You know, I'm one of the best penny stock traders in the world and I've only made a few million dollars. So people yeah. make that in, you know, a few minutes if you're trading like big companies on Wall Street. So you have to keep everything in perspective. Yeah, I, f I follow you on Twitter and I see a lot of the things that you retweet and the, the gains are only, they're small, but obviously those add up over time in, in your case. So yeah, yeah I, it's, not, it's not. I look at it as a kind of an alternative to casinos where casinos, you know, people play like the penny slots and they play all these games where the casino has the odds in their favor every single time. Whether, you know, the odds of winning for the casino is like 51 or 52 or 55 percent, you do not have good odds in casinos or any kind of gambling for that matter. So with penny stocks, if you do enough research, you know, my top students and I win 60, 65, sometimes 70 percent of the time. So the odds can be in your favor. So you don't just trade. You mentioned earlier that you also teach. Who, who are your students? Like what kind of people are those, the demographic, and how have they benefited from your teaching? Yeah. So unfortunately, I, I reach a lot of my students too late. Uh, they find me after they've lost all their money believing in a penny stock and then they do a Google search and they type in you know, the name of the company that they just lost their money on and then the word scam and then they usually find like a blog post written by me that where I was trying to warn them weeks ago but they don't you know, research. Um, so usually I'm, I'm just finding people who have lost like a quarter of their money or half their money or even all their money. And then I say, Hey, you know, you can actually learn. You don't have to lose all your money all the time. Uh, and I can teach you how to spot scams. So even if you're not necessarily trading penny stocks, I can at least protect you so that you don't get conned. A lot of people fall for it just because they're getting, you know, just a friendly tip from like their friend or, or family member. And the friend or family member, they don't know that, you know, they're they're basically promoting a scam. They're falling for it too. So it's just about getting good information out there and showing people how they can use the internet to find out everything they need to. You know, back when the Wolf of Wall Street was at its peak, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, there was no real way for an individual to research. But now with the internet, you can figure out if the company is a scam within an hour if you have the right training. Wall Street, the investment world, the trading world has always seemed so sketchy to me. I mean, we watch The Big Short or like you mentioned, Wolf on Wall Street. But you pitch yourself as being honest and transparent and I, and I can see that as I follow you online. Tell me about that. Was that always important to you, the honesty and the transparency? Because that's not typical of the people that you are lumped in with. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I'm trading like these, these kinds of crazy stocks. Um, forget about penny stocks for a second. There's a whole other industry where, you know, you have these quote online gurus who tell people, oh, I'm going to make you rich. And they're usually full of crap. 
So for me, I just had to show, wait a minute, I actually did make this money. I think I can actually transfer my knowledge into people. So let me show you that I'm continually making more money than I'm losing. You know, even as we're filming this, you know, it's in the middle of the trading day and I've made roughly $2,300 in profits. Nothing huge, yeah, but I yeah. show, you know, what I did right. I had one trade that went against me. My rule number one, when I'm wrong, I cut losses quickly so that small mistakes don't turn into big disasters. So it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to mess up, but you just have to be real about it. And frankly, it's a great opportunity because there are so many scams around me of people who have never made millions of dollars trading stocks and they're claim to, claiming to be experts. All I have to do is show that I'm real. And that way, you know, people see that I'm real. They see that my lessons work over time. And now, you know, my top student, his story went viral because he's now taken $1,500 and turned it into $4 million in five years. And he's actually a better trader than me. So my millionaire students are actually helping me teach now. We give live webinars. You can see our screen. Uh, we're giving watch lists. We're giving commentary throughout the day and just trying to get people thinking the right way because, you know, again, most people who trade penny stocks, they're not trained at all and they're just going to believe these penny stocks that they're like the next Microsoft, which they never are. Here's We're about to transition into some of your what I call give a damn moments. But before we do that, here's what I love about this conversation that we're having. Some people are going to – they never heard of you. They're going to go look at your Instagram after this interview and they're going to say – why the hell did you have that guy on? He's not like Mother Teresa. Here he is with his cars and his house and all that stuff. The truth is, first of all, they're probably jealous. Second of all, not everybody can make that money. And I love, as I've followed you, not for the, for that long, I'm glad that you're using your influence and your money to make an impact on the world. So I'm just really stoked uh, to have you on for that uh, for that reason. So now let's transition to some of the ways that you're using all that you've learned in your money and your influence for uh, good in the world. And I call those moments like give a damn moments. So you've created the Timothy Sykes Charity Foundation. What do you do with that foundation? I, you're probably over in Laos, Cambodia, Thailand right now for that. But what does the Timothy Sykes Charity Foundation do? How did it come about? And what, yeah, how, how do you guys give back to the world? Yeah, um, you know, I mean, I've been involved with charity ever since college. Uh, you know, I made a lot of money back then and I, I donated some money back to Tulane University. Um, then I also volunteered at Make-A-Wish in New Orleans and I was just blown away by, you know, the, the power of, of emotion and, and feeling that you have when you're helping somebody, uh, you know, especially a lot of these Make-A-Wish families where they've kind of had like a, a rough, rough time with their situation and, and when someone shows some kindness to them, it just, you know, even if it's just a little thing, it just changes their whole perspective and mindset on the world. And frankly, for me as a teacher, I see the same thing, you know, when somebody makes money in the stock market, it changes their perspective. Like, wait a minute, I don't always have to lose. This is amazing. And I want that kind of catalyst, yeah, that kind yeah. of feeling. So I, you know, used to donate to charities just randomly. Uh, but in lately, I've been doing very well as my teaching business has been exploding and my, my stock market profits have been rising. So I created an official charity. It's a 501c3. And at first, again, I went with what I knew. I donated to Make-A-Wish. I donated uh, to uh, the Boys and Girls Club. I donated to some breast cancer charities that are close to me and my family. Um, but then I really started getting into education. And, you know, you, you kind of have to find what really motivates you in life. I had no plan. I was on the no plan plan with my charity. I was just like, oh, I got this money. Let me try and help people. But then I started, you know, figuring out, wait a minute, I, I really love education. You know, 
educational charities. And my friend Lewis Howes introduced me to Pencils of Promise, which builds schools all over the world. They've now built nearly 400 schools. So I built, uh, I donated $120,000 to build two schools in Laos. And, you know, my family and I went out to Laos and we had a great time and we met the kids and and the uh, people of Laos and, and the charity was just so well organized. So then I was like, wow, you know, let me donate more. So I just announced a $1 million donation to them. Um, and now I'm donating to other charities like the Cambodian Village Fund, the Bali Children's Project, um, and just so many great charities that focus on education in these third world countries. Because frankly, these third world countries, it's such a shame where you have so much potential in, in such great people, but they're kind of condemned to this cycle of poverty because they never get educated. They have to bring in money to support their family. They don't have time to ever really explore their potential. But if we focus on changing from the beginning when they're a child and really prioritizing education, then they can get, you know, skilled jobs where they make more money and it's not just, you know, very low paying jobs. And then they can have the opportunity to get out of this cycle and then it transfers to their friends and their family and the whole village. And, you know, within a few years, within a few decades, entire civilizations are really transferred thanks to education. So that's my hope. You know, it's it's a long, long path. I mean, I've only donated, well, roughly like $2 million now so far, but I'm going to keep going. I just got started. And, you know, one school at a time, you change people's lives. I love that you're focusing on education. I just got back from L.A. interviewing Rain Wilson, most widely known as Dwight Schrute from The Office. And he and his wife have a charity in Haiti called Lide Haiti, where they focus on educating girls in the arts. And I, I think you're spot on. And I'm so glad that you're focused on that now and that'll continue to grow because, I mean, it's great that we provide, you know, meals and shoes, you know, toms and, you know, eyeglasses, all this stuff. Like, it's but some of those meals and things like that, they the the effect of those is so temporary, right? So you land, you you land, you give some meals out, and then eight hours later they're hungry again. With education and the arts, those are things that give them hope. Like what you're doing is giving them a longer term hope by building a school there, something that is literally, like you said, is going to radically change the look of their town, their city, their slum, wherever they are in the years ahead. It's really incredible. Yeah, I mean, you, you need to go to the source. The, the source is a lack of information, a lack of skills. And so they're condemned to these menial labor kind of jobs that don't pay that much. And then their kids are like that. And then their families are like that. So, you know, I, I greatly applaud charities that, you know, give water and shoes and, and food and stuff like that. I mean, you need to live. But if we really focus on education, you start seeing lives really change and it really, you know, just explodes and, and builds on itself generation after generation. So right now we're just planting seeds. All these schools, okay, it's nice to build a school, but then the kids have to go to school. The kids have to learn in school. They have to get skills from school. They have to get paid for those skills. Then they have to transfer that money into their own village and into their relatives and into their families. So it's, you know, trickle down educationomics, I guess is what you would call it. Um, and, and that's frankly my passion and I'm very young, so I'm going to be doing it all my life. Love that. So you, you mentioned Pencils of Promise, huge donation, which is incredible. You sit, you also sit on the Pencils of Promise advisory board. Can you, for, for those that are listening that don't know who, who that is and what that makes up, what is Pencils of Promise and, and what does that entail with your role as a, on the advisory board? Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're the absolute best charity that I've dealt with so far. So that's why I donated 
uh, the most, which I guess was one of their biggest donations ever. Um, and I was very proud of that. And they are so organized with not just building schools, but also, you know, making the schools work. And, and they're a bunch of like basically nerds who run this charity. And it's fantastic because every single town, every single village has to go through a whole process to see if they're, you know, even right for a school. It's not just like, oh, we're handing out schools left and right. They have to make sure that the school is sustainable. So when they've built nearly 400 schools, that's awesome. But all of the schools are actually still, you know, working and they're testing out different programs. Uh, part of the million dollar donation that I gave is also going to e-readers. So the kids are going to have new tablets and new technology that will hopefully optimize uh, their education. So it's all about giving education and then optimizing it. And for me, you know, I'm just proud to even be a part of it at all. I'm actually headed to Guatemala in a few days to visit some of the Pencils of Promise schools with Lewis and the CEO of Pencils of Promise and, and some other guys. So they build schools in many different third world countries and they're using big data. So they're, they're basically just looking at all the metrics and seeing what's working in all the different schools. And then they're trying to take that and transfer it to other schools. So like when I asked, for example, you know, I, I, my donation gets 20 schools. I was like, oh, I want internet in all the schools. And they were like, well, you know, we're, we're testing that in, in some of the schools. And I was like, whoa, I was, I was kind of, you know, just flabbergasted. I was like, these are, these are my schools. I want internet. But they only go based on what the data tells them. And that is so amazing. And, you know, I, I know it's surprising because most charities just bend over backwards for their donors. But for these guys, it's all about the data. And, you know, if it pisses some people off, so be it. But they want to create the best schools and the best educational process. And I respect the hell out of them for that. That's amazing. You mentioned Guatemala. Guatemala is near and dear to my heart. I lived there for 10 years growing up. My parents were missionaries. So I love that you're uh, doing work over there. Nice. Yeah. I've, I've never been. I've been to 112 countries now. So I'm, I'm trying to add to my list. And, you know, next week I, I will be in Guatemala. Well, you're going to fall a little bit in love with it. I'm, I'm sure of it. Um, so what, what does the future look like for you, both in business and in the, the, the charity world? I mean, you, these are incredible things that are happening. What, what, what's, the, what's the dream? The sky's the limit, man. Um, you know, I mean, the dream is when I first started teaching, I said I was going to create one millionaire and everyone thought that I was crazy and I was just like some other, you know, internet guru who lied. But then I've created a few millionaires. So now I want more millionaires. Then I said I was going to build one school. And everyone was like, yeah, sure you are. Now I've built – actually, I have 35 schools in development. Uh, some of them are built. Some of them are just getting started. But my goal is to build over 1,000 schools and also create 1,000 millionaires from scratch. So I have some pretty big goals, but there have also been some studies in the past that show that if you have a big goal, it actually improves your daily performance 15 to 25%. So I'm looking at the data I do believe that I can create a thousand millionaires and I do believe that I can create a thousand schools, sustainable schools. Um, it's not going to be easy. It's going to keep taking, you know, a lot of work. I mean, I have over 4,000 video lessons in my library that my students get to watch. So my students have to work hard. It's not like I'm just giving out a million dollars and be like, look, I created a millionaire. Like they're all my top students are self-sufficient. They don't rely on me at all. So I'm just kind of training wheels. So to do it that way, the right way, takes longer, but in the end, it's much better. And now, frankly, I'm very happy that several of my students are helping me teach. And, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with the charities and the schools, but we're going to keep trying to optimize to 
get the schools, you know, up faster and, and to get the teachers, you know, more optimized in the educational process. And, you know, we'll just keep getting better. Big data, new technology, uh, and money in the right place. It's exciting to see what happens when you combine all three. Yours is an important story to tell, I, I think, because many times when we think of people making a huge impact in the world, we think of someone, you know, moving to a slum in India or the bush in Africa. You, on the other hand, seem to, you know, in many ways, enjoy life to the fullest while still not losing sight of what really matters. And I think that's, you know, really incredible and admirable. Well, thank you. I've had I've had my ups and downs in the past, you know, for, for a while, I made a lot of money and, and really didn't focus on charity. And I had probably a little too much fun with my Lamborghini and Ferrari and, and trips, but it gets boring after a while. You have to find meaning in your work and in your life. And, you know, when I meet these kids, when I see what is really happening and when I kind of combine what I know about schooling and education and how it can be life-changing, I think, you know, we're at a very unique time in history. And I just, I don't know how to ignore this. You know, I, I don't know how to ignore all the signs that are pointing me in this direction and I'm going to keep going and, and see where it takes me. I love it. As we begin to wrap up, can you, this is an important question, I think, as people are listening, can you give some practical steps, pieces of advice for the Let's Give a Damn family as they begin to make an impact on the world? Just some things that you've learned that you that anybody listening, no matter where they are in their professional and personal life, that things they can begin doing right now to make an impact on the world. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I, I would say don't feel like you have to do anything exactly the way somebody else did. Like just because I love education doesn't mean that you have to love education. Uh, we're all different. And, and if there's one thing I've learned from teaching my students in the stock market is that we have different personalities and you really have to utilize your strengths and your weaknesses and, and accept your weaknesses. So if you're a big fan of music or, you know, like Rain Wilson in the arts, you go with that. You have to really focus on your passion because if you focus on your passion – that is how you really do what, what most people would think is impossible. But because it's your passion, you'll work so much harder. I don't even know the number of hours that I spend on something. It's not a choice for me because I actually enjoy every minute. So it's not like I'm working you know, on somebody else's dreams. I'm working on my own dreams. So it's not work. It's, it's like a constant vacation. And that's how I think you really get – just become really proficient in, in – become an overachiever in whatever it is that you love, whether it's charity or teaching or blogging or podcasting or writing or, you know, picking up trash. Don't try to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Just accept who you are and then really go for it and understand that, you know, money, as much as people say, oh, money, you know, doesn't matter. You can't buy happiness. You need money to change the world. Okay. I'm a big, big, big believer in using money the right way now. But at the same time, it's very difficult if you say, oh, Tim, you know, I get messages all the day. I love what you're doing. I want to volunteer in your, your charity schools. I appreciate your message. I thank you for your messages. But we don't need volunteers at these, you know, schools. We have local teachers. What we do need and what Pencils of Promise and other charities need is more funding because they have built, you know, you know now nearly 400 schools but with the data and with their infrastructure, it's scalable and they can build 4,000 schools if they get more money. It's pathetic that I'm one of the biggest donors. I'm just a little penny stock trader, you know? There are many people on Wall Street who make what I've made in my entire life in less than a few days or a few weeks. And they're simply not giving back and they're simply not really 
understanding, I think, what, you know, can be done because I'm not trying to put them down. I'm just saying that they need to be enlightened. So if you know somebody, I'm talking to your audience out there who, you know, has a lot of money, help them see the light, help them bring some meaning because I know a lot of rich people, I've met a lot of billionaires and most of them are not very happy because they don't have meaning, they don't have fulfillment, people treat them very differently once you have so much money. You know, somebody asked me the other day, like, Tim, you have so much money, you flaunt it all over Instagram, do people treat you differently? And I say no, because they know that I'm giving a very large portion of what I have away. So if I ever get too rich and, you know, secluded and become like this strange billionaire, I'm just going to give so much of it away to bring my mind right back down. And that way, you know, I'll kill two birds with one stone. So money is good, but I think money with meaning is even better. And and I really want more people to, to go after that because if enough people do this, you know, whether it's education or the arts or, you know, water or, or medicine or food or, you know, homeless shelters, whatever you can do to help the world, if more people start doing this, I think everybody will be amazed at what we can accomplish and how quickly things start to snowball. You know, when I got started teaching, I was very surprised at how quickly my students started learning the techniques that I was teaching. And it was very tough for the first six months, one year, two years. But now I'm 10 years into teaching and now it's it's very easy. And it's amazing what you can do with time and passion. I love that. Those are great pieces of advice. And for those of you listening, it's it's he's, he, he asked, Tim, Tim asked you, if you know of anybody that has a lot of money, convince them and work on them and, you know, co- convince them to go this route. But it's also on you. If, if everybody... Uh, that only can give 10 or 15 or $50 actually gave instead of talking themselves out of it because it's not a big gift. That's millions and millions and millions of dollars. So you and your place, wherever you are, making 30, 40, $50,000 a year, you have a lot to give, both of your time and energy and money. So don't don't look at Tim's gift of a million and say, well, I can't do that, so I'm just going to keep it and go buy more Starbucks drinks. There is a place for you. There's a way that you can give right now. Yeah, you know, great or small. And the same goes true with me, you know, teaching. I have several millionaire students. I have several students who are just happy to make like $100 in a day. You don't have to rush, you know, big things and greatness all at once. It's a journey and you really should value the journey. So some of you guys out there listening who are making 30, 40, 50,000 a year, that's a fine place to start. You know, hopefully it pays for some of like your, your student loan debt or your, uh, you know, expenses, but you can use that as a starting point. And then if you focus on whatever it is that really moves you and you're passionate about, and you have, let's say a five or a 10 year plan, how can you grow your nest egg? How can you grow your personal savings? Not just to, you know, give to charity, but to really give to yourself and, and benefit yourself and build a better life for you and your loved ones and your family. So you have to kind of look at this as something that is going to take you several years, if not decades. But most of the people that I talk to, they're, they're too kind of focused on the short term and, and instant gratification. And if you expand your mind, you know, I was a philosophy major, so I think a little differently. But if you, you know, step outside of the next six months or year and you start thinking, wow, what can I do today that will really benefit me and the world in five or 10 or 20 years? And you really focus on those kinds of big goals, you will be surprised at how quickly you will achieve. Love it. Last question is a hypothetical, one of my favorites to ask. 
when you die someday, which hopefully won't be for many, many years, for some odd reason, I'm giving your eulogy. All of your fans and your friends and your students, uh, all the kids that you've affected, all the schools that you started, they're all there to honor you. In three to four sentences, uh, Tim, what, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want to be remembered for? Um, I mean, for me, it's it's not about like you know naming the schools after me or getting trophies or awards or even money. I hope to pass down my kinds of experiences and, and lessons and rules um, and just try to help other people realize that if we share more, you know, transparently, whether you're in the stock market, you share your wins and losses and your, your theories and your experiences, or if you're in any other industry, share your personal stories, uh, both good and bad, and just try to really rise, you know, raise up the, the whole human collective wisdom. You know, this isn't coming out very well because I'm dead and, you know, I, yeah. I didn't plan my eulogy very <laughs> it's well. It's all good. But if we just share more and we really try to help each other, you know, obviously I'm, I'm not a communist, I'm a capitalist, but I do think that if we think about the greater good and, you know, really try to help one another, we help ourselves and we help our whole race. So that's what I'm focused on. And it's not an easy thing to do, you know, to, to really think about other people rather than just yourself. But I think it's a, a good way to, to be. That's a great legacy, man. Uh, before we go, where can the Let's Give a Damn family follow up with you and find out more about what you're doing? Uh, yeah. So my name is Timothy Sykes. You can go to timothysykes.com. Uh, I'm Timothy Sykes on Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat. Um, you know, just Google me and you will find a ton of stuff. Um, I have 800 plus free videos, video lessons on my YouTube channel in case you're curious about the stock market at all. And I have tons of free guides on timothysykes.com. I love that. Tim, thanks for joining us today. This was a real joy and pleasure. And I loved hearing about your story and what you're doing. Hey, thanks again for having me. It was my pleasure. And there you have it, folks. Thanks so much for joining Timothy and me for our conversation today. Go follow him on social media and let him know if you enjoyed our chat. Also, find Pencils of Promise online and all over social media and follow them and consider giving. They're doing incredible, absolutely incredible work. And I'd love to see you get involved in what they're doing. Also, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. It's incredibly helpful and it will only take a minute of your time. If you think of anyone that should hear this chat, tell them about it. That will also only take a few more seconds of your time. Follow Let's Give a Damn on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Let's Give a Damn. And follow me on those same social media platforms at Nick Lapara. And if you'd like to find more ways you can support what we're doing, head on over to letsgiveadam.com. Click on the Join the Let's Give a Damn Family button, and you'll find one way in particular that you can help us. That is it for this week, my friends. I cannot wait to spend more time with you next week. I love doing this, and I love hearing all your feedback. Keep it coming. Bye for now.